Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Destination Draft Day. You are here at the end of the mock draft season, the end of the 2021 draft season. I'm Michael Rockman with Bailey Kumar here, and we are excited to deliver it to you. Bailey, how are you doing on this Monday? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing perfectly fine, ready to dive into it. We got 32 picks. We're doing one round only. We may have some trades in here. We'll see. Everything is live, so... Everything is completely thrown at the wall with you. I will be taking the odd picks. Bailey will be taking the even picks. And, you know, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. I think the obvious answer here at the number one pick is Trevor Lawrence. And the QB out of Clemson has obviously been rumored to be the first pick of the draft since he put on a show as a true freshman in the playoffs. And now the time has come. The Jacksonville Jaguars won the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And that's the pick for me. Yeah, I mean, pretty obvious pick. I think my next pick will also come as no surprise to those who've been following the mock and everything, the mock cycle and everything recently. It will be uh, Zach Wilson from BYU. This has been rumored for months. I don't know, it's kind of a no-brainer pick. And I think the draft release starts at three for Europe. Absolutely. And, you know, for this pick, there's been plenty of speculation for what could happen what the rumor is i'm sure there's plenty of hate about it because there's just so much that people have when it comes to opinions on quarterbacks people really want to plant their flag on one two guys and a lot of people aren't planting their flag as much for this guy but it sounds like it's the pick everyone that seems to have inside sources is very adamant that this is the most likely selection and with that the third pick of the draft is Mac Jones out of Alabama for the San Francisco 49ers, a tremendous pocket passer. And, you know, I understand that a lot of people would love to see Trey Lance, would love to see Justin Fields, and I agree. I think that would be the ideal situation, but that doesn't mean that Mac Jones can't find success in San Francisco. I think he's still going to be a very good quarterback, and I think the 49ers are still getting their franchise future key piece under center for many years to come. Yeah, I mean – the reports have been either going to be Mac Jones, or Trey Lance. You know, both of them will be fantastic in San Francisco, I think. It really just comes down to who do you think can best run the Shanahan offense? And, you know, there's a good argument that is Mac Jones right now. But, you know, on the other hand is do you trade, you know, to future first for Mac Jones? Is he the type of guy who's worth that? And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of teams happy that the, the 49ers take Mac Jones – one of them being the Falcons who are up next. Um, and you now, know, I want to this... speak to you real quick on this, <laughs> on this potential selection that you're about to make. Look, I'm the Patriots. I understand that, you know, there's, there's plenty of need at the quarterback position. Bill Belichick gives you a little call. He says, first and foremost, I want to offer you two special things. The 15th pick in the draft and my first rounder next year. But I know there's a little bit more that you're going to need. So we'll say my the Patriots second this year as well, number 46. 
and this and the third round pick next year. What do you what do you say to that? You know, I don't want to get too bogged down specifics. The framework of that is good enough for me right now. We'll we'll take it. The you know, I think the Falcons are kind of dedicated to Matt Ryan at QB, at least for the next two years. Does make a lot of sense to me to take a quarterback and just have him sit behind. You know, I think this the Falcons are a still a playoff team. You know, you got Drew Brees leaving New Orleans. You got Sam Darnold, who, you know, had on the Panthers. And, you know, you still got Brady there in the division, but, you know, he's another year older. So this could be the prime. You know, the Falcons could win their division next year. Maybe a little bit of a crazy statement. So, yeah. So I think the Falcons will happily trade back, pick up some more capital. New regime would love the extra picks to kind of build what they want. Absolutely. And with the Patriots pick, the trade-up is the official indication of Justin Fields, the quarterback out of Ohio State. I think this is someone that could potentially slide on draft day. From what we're hearing, it sounds like people would be shocked to see him fall, maybe from the fan side, but on the media inside sources guy, they're saying it's very likely he's on the board at seven. And if someone doesn't trade up, he can make it to eight. He can make it to nine and potentially fall out of the top 10. I assume that with all the teams that are definitely QB needy, Chicago, Washington, New England, someone is going to make the decision to trade up, whether you know it's Denver making a small trade up to just – get in that position to get their QB or whether it's one of these teams really giving up probably a, a large amount of picks to get their future at quarterback. I do think that we're going to see some big trades in order to get a quarterback under center for the future for one of these teams. Yep. Especially if you're the bears, you know, Ryan Pace and who knows how much longer he has the GM this kind of make or break year for him. So I could see him trying to trade a load of picks to try and save his job for sure. Absolutely. And with the next pick, I'm sure a lot of people are going to make their jokes all they want about it, but I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU. There's just so much talent here on the wide receiver aspect. You know, getting that key piece, I think, elevates this wide receiver room to already what is already a good group of Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and adding Jamar Chase is huge. Cincinnati obviously has holes on the offensive line. They need to add some more to protect Burrow. But I think they can do that in the second round in a class like this. Adding a guy like Chase, who I think can be a transcendent talent at the wide receiver spot, is definitely a great addition, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, like you said, there's a ton of offensive tackle depth in this draft. There's even there's a lot of offensive line depth in this draft. You can go second, third round. I think that's what a lot of you know Bengals fans and a lot of people forget is that there are seven rounds of this draft. You can get guys at different positions at each round. Um, with that being said, the uh, the Miami Dolphins are up next, and I have them taking Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, when they traded back up after the trade-down, um, it seemed clear to me that they were looking at, for either Kyle Pitts or, like, Jalen Waddles from the elite talents. You know, there's been talks of uh, Sewell here, but I just think they traded back up to get the elite talent, which is Kyle Pitts. Absolutely. And, you know, even if – they were to go wide receiver. I think the big thing is you need to find a way to help out Tua. So whether that's offensive line protection, a skill set wide receiver, tight end, or, you know, just somewhere helping out this team, I think the Dolphins have a important job to do in terms of getting guys that can help take this offense to that next level. I think Tua Tungvaloa is going to be perfectly fine, but I think it's very important that the Dolphins invest in him, give him the best opportunity to succeed, and adding a guy like Kyle Pitts, is definitely doing that. With the number seven pick, I think the Detroit Lions, while they may not have as big a need as some of the other teams in this class, I think it's important that they go and get one of the better players in this class. And for me, that's Panay Sewell, offensive tackle out of Oregon. You can move over Taylor Decker or Panay Sewell can play right tackle. I think that there's plenty of talent here. The Tyrell Crosby starting at right tackle, I don't think changes your overall need and makes you pass on a guy like Sewell. So with that being said, I think the Lions just go BPA and Panay Sewell for me is clear BPA here. Yeah, I mean, he will be an important piece in the root of building that team. You know, he could he's kind of had a slide recently, you know, he might not even be the first offensive tackle off the board with a recent talks and might be Slater. And I don't know, he could be a guy that sees a slide on draft day, or he could be a guy that just ends up uh, 
you know, going right where he's supposed to. It kind of reminds me of the Andrew Thomas from last year, where there's a lot of talk late in the cycle about, you know, it could be Wills, it could be back to net four, but it ended up just being Thomas. So we'll see. Um, at eight, this is this is the hardest one so far. You know, the Panthers just traded for Sam Darnold, and you know, Trey Lance is sitting there at eight, and it's really tempting to take him. But I don't think you give up that much draft capital and just to take another QB. You're kind of locked in with Darnold. They haven't executed his fifth year option yet. They're kind of waiting on that. So I I honestly am I, they could go Slater here or they could go Lance. I'm going to say this regime is all in on Darnold. They think they can fix him. They have the weapons, way better supporting cast than they had in the Jets, and they'll add to that by uh, taking Slater here. Sean Slater, I think, is one of the more versatile offensive linemen in this class. Whether you need to play tackle or guard, he's going to find success in the league. I think for the Panthers, you kind of hit it right on the net. You hit the nail right on the head with, you know, they need offensive line, and I think – whether or not you believe in some of the talent on that line, there's definitely holes to where a guy like Slater elevates that play. And right now at left tackle, I think Greg Little is the expected starter. So putting Slater right in at left tackle should be absolutely huge for the Panthers. And at number nine, honestly, I'm not sure what to do because I know the Denver Broncos likely aren't going to pass up the opportunity to pick a QB. But I do think at the same time, they aren't as sold on just getting rid of Trey Lo- Tre- Drew Locke as a lot of us are. But still, with the talent on the board, with the potential that he offers, I'm going to go with Trey Lance for the Denver Broncos. Realistically, I think we're going to see a team like Chicago offer an ungodly amount of picks to make sure they get their QB, kind of buy some more time with the owner. Hopefully it pans out and they can keep their jobs. But really, right now with the way the board has played out, I think the Denver Broncos are a very set roster overall, and there's really just one position that holds them back at the moment, and it's QB Drew Locke, not entirely done in the league. I'm sure, you know, this situation kind of puts a damper on the Locke stock for his upside and projection, but Trey Lance, plenty of upside, plenty of opportunity, and if Denver brings him in, I think they could be a playoff team as soon as next year. Yeah, I mean, eventually Broncos, the Broncos have to hit them on these QBs, right? You just can't keep drafting them and having them bust. Uh, so next up, I don't know. This says I'm going to take is the Cowboys. They have a pretty clear near, need at cornerback. I think I'm going to give them Patrick Sertain here. You know, it just seems too obvious at this point. You know, you got his Alabama teammate last year. Might as well take the other guy right now. It's a perfect fit. Absolutely, and I think sometimes the writing is on the wall for picks like this. If they were high on digs, they should be very high on Sertain, a very talented cornerback out of Alabama. Smooth, works well technically, and really can cover vertically extremely well. And that's kind of what the Cowboys tried to do. Diggs obviously had some bright moments as a rookie. Duo. I think I cut out there for a little bit, so sorry about that. I think I muted a little bit. But, yeah, I, I just think that adding a young cornerback duo like that is, is definitely enticing, and the Cowboys have shown already that they like uh, Diggs, so they should be very high on Sertain as well. With the number 11 pick, this is more of a what has been rumored for them than necessarily need. It sounds like if this guy falls, the Giants are all in on making sure they get him. And for me, I mean, that's not a bad pick, but maybe I would have gone interior offensive line or added some presence on the defense. But at number 11, Devonta Smith, wide receiver out of Alabama, definitely the talent is there. He can be special. He can be really a legend in this game if he continues to produce like he did at Alabama. I know he's small framed, but he still just dominates at the line of scrimmage. He has insane acceleration to really get out of any situation that is put against him. And for the Giants, Kenny Galladay, Devonta Smith, Sterling Shepard, there's plenty of weapons in this wide receiver room, and it now all falls on Daniel Jones. What are you going to do? And 
Bailey, I know you're a big fan of Daniel Jones. What do you think of him having Kenny Galladay and Devonta Smith in one offseason added to his wide receiver room? I mean, it's kind of all the pressures on him on him now. You know, the team has done nothing but support him, try to build the right offense around him, build the offensive line around him, and it's just time for him to produce. You know, this, this Giants team is very good. They had a very strong defense last year. They have a ton of high picks this year to kind of continue to add to that. And – you know, I think if you add Devontae Smith, that's your division winner right now there, the uh, NFC East division winner. Ooh, a little bit of a bold prediction, but I like it. So with the 12th pick, obviously the Philadelphia Eagles, plenty of options on the board. Where do you think they're going? You know, can continue the run on uh, Alabama players in the NFC East, as we kind of seen the last two picks. I think they're going to take Waddle, you know, it's just so tough with this team. They have so many holes. They've invested so many resources of wide receiver just for it not to kind of pan out or work out. But I think Waddle's as close to a Camus prospect you can get at a wide receiver. So I think that's going to be my pick. He's just going to be so deadly. And, you know, hopefully um, – did, did their time with Jalen Hurts overlap at Alabama? I'm not sure. Uh. I'm not sure, actually. I think I think Waddle played a bit, but not too much. Yeah, but you know, the Alabama connection is still there, and they, they played a year together. But I'm not yeah. sure how much uh, Waddle and Hurts really, in terms of production, what all. They yeah, did. they're on the same team, close enough. Yeah, I just <laughs> just gotta strengthen that connection. And for the 13th pick, the Los Angeles Chargers have plenty of needs that they could address in this spot. I think kind of what I've seen out of the Rams was a lot of, you know, mid-round flyers that were just kind of athletic enough to get the job done. I don't think that Brandon Staley's just necessarily going to try to do this blueprint of what the Chargers have done. But I do think that the Chargers are going to address corner first and foremost. Brandon Staley, obviously a defensive guy. And the best corner on the board, in my opinion, is J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. And I think that's an excellent pick here. I think in that second round, could see the Chargers potentially move up, maybe even into the late first, to try to get their offensive tackle of the future. But right now, got them going J.C. Horn to really solidify what is currently a question mark of a cornerback room. Yeah, and I mean, the Chargers can go in a lot of different directions. I just kind of think they go BPA, and yeah, J.C. Horn is definitely BPA at that spot. A great corner will be a lockdown guy for them. You know, the cornerback position has been always such a strength for the Chargers, and, you know, in recent memory, and it's kind of fallen off a bit. And uh, hopefully this can help them regain some of the talent that they lost this offseason in the last couple of years. Absolutely. And now the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock. What do you got in store for the Skull Nation? I got a trade, actually. I got the Dolphins trading up to 14 here. Um, they will do something. I think I when we looked at it, it was like the Dolphins give up 18 and 50, 40, whatever. The, the Dolphins give up their first and their second, and um, the Vikings give their first and a third, kind of a swap there. And the Dolphins will be trading up in – and uh, take um, Parsons. Um, you know, I think we had a couple arguments about the uh, Dolphins linebacker room, and I think, you know, there's some reports coming out that they absolutely love Parsons, and I buy it. I, you know, he can be a real leader on that defense. Um, they need a strong guy like that to kind of, you know, be the quarterback of the defense like that. I think Parsons fits the bill perfectly. He slid a lot, um, you know, especially from the beginning of the draft cycle where he's kind of seen as like a top five pick and now you're getting him at 14. And I think the Dolphins will be all over that. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I think is underrated about that trade that you mentioned, the second, second round pick for the Dolphins goes to Minnesota and they don't have a second round pick right now. So that works out perfectly for them. Whereas the Dolphins, you know, they can move back a little bit. They had a close to playoff team last year, obviously, you want to add as much talent as you can, but if you're getting a guy like Parsons where you're thinking of him as a top five, top 10 player on your board and the next guy's sitting at around, you know, maybe all the way down at 15 or whatever, then this is absolutely the right pick for the Dolphins. And I think 
that it works out well for both sides. I think Minnesota doesn't have to drop too far, but they still add some very good draft capitals to where they can have a full draft in this class. And you're up again with the Atlanta Falcons following the trade. Again, the Patriots traded up for Justin Fields, and now Falcons sit at 15. Who's going to be the pick for them? You know, I think I've said this a lot, but the Falcons can go in a lot of directions. But, you know, when you look at their their team and their needs, it's it's edge, it's corner, and it's safety, and it's left guard. Those are kind of the big needs they need to address coming into this draft. And when you look at the board, the the best guy I see here is uh, Quiddy Pay. <clears throat> you know, kind of get that edge rusher, insane pro day. Insane athleticism, insane everything. The Falcons have been needing Ed Rush for so long. You know, kind of been saying this for the last, I don't know how many years. And hopefully, you know, they kind of hit it this time. They get the guy who can produce for them. It's, Quiddy Page is such an athletic animal. It's hard to see him busting. And I think he'll be a valuable addition to this team. Absolutely. I think that if the Atlanta Falcons do trade down, they need to address the defense. They're kind of buying into Matt Ryan and however long his tenure is going to be. So if you're buying in, you need to try to fill out this roster. Obviously, if you stick it four, you can pick a Kyle Pitts, and I'm not going to say it's a terrible decision, or even maybe a Panay Sewell, and you add what is a great offensive tackle to a line that needs help on that right guard spot. You kick McGarry inside. But right now, if you're down at 15, you try to add some defensive talent, and I think Quiddy pay, you know, maybe maybe they reach a little bit in terms of what the consensus thinks and grab like a Greg Newsom in the cornerback room. There's plenty of options for defensive talent in this class. And I think that with Quiddy pay, they've definitely done a great job of adding it. And now at number 16, the Arizona Cardinals are on the board. And that's you again because of that trade. You're on the clock three times in a row. Cardinals obviously had a great offensive season. Are you looking to add more and bolster that unit, or are you looking to help out the defensive side? You know, it's tough because you want to help this offense. You want to help out Kyler Murray as much as you can, but they have such a glaring need at cornerback, and, you know, they've been connected to this player for so many mock drafts so long. I think, like we said, with the Cowboys, the writing's kind of on the wall with this one. I think I'm going to give them uh, Caleb Farley. I like the pick. I think that Obviously, with Caleb Farley, the issue that entered this class was just the medicals. And with the opt-out, he didn't really get that next year to show his grown play. But there's plenty of talent here. He's quick-footed. He's got great size. He can mirror pretty well. As long as he just kind of gets a little bit more refined, I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Arizona Cardinals adding a cornerback to a room that really could use it. Malcolm Butler, probably going to be a serviceable starter. Byron Murphy, a very good slot corner. But adding Caleb Farley to that room, I think, takes that unit from what is a big concern to now a pretty solid and promising-looking group of team. Yeah, like you said, it's all about, you know, the injury and how serious it is. Caleb Farley could be one of those guys who sees a pretty serious drop they slide because, you know, us as the amateurs, we don't have access to the medicals, so we don't really have the full picture. But – I'm just going to use – if we're just talking about talent alone, this is a great spot for Farley. Absolutely. And with the 17th pick, you know, it's tough to really gauge what the Raiders are going to do. I think a lot of people love to make the jokes about the Seattle Seahawks and how wacky they get with their picks in that first round especially. But the Raiders have had a history of doing so as well, whether it was Cleveland Farrell at number four or picking guys like Jonathan Abrams later in the first, there's definitely picks that aren't seen as expected, and then they are on the clock come draft day, and someone off the wall comes off. I think here I'm going to play it safe, play it a little boring, and I'm going to go with offensive tackle Christian Darisaw. But I do want to say, you know, if I had to make a, a wacky pick for them, I think it'd be, you know, like a Levi on Uzurike. We just saw them cut Maurice Hurst, and I think – that they could be in the market to look for a new defensive tackle, whether that's Barmore, whether that's Levi O, or whether that's Davion Nixon. There's plenty of options in this class. But, you know, right now I'll play it safe. I'll fill in the right tackle. You know, obviously great length out of Darisaw. He's my offensive tackle number two. I'm a huge fan. I think 
if you're looking for getting cheaper at the position while still having a very talented option, Darisaw fills that need for both boxes. Yeah, Darisaw would be a great pick for them. They lost a ton of their offensive line. There's a lot of turnover. And this pick just makes sense. Um, it fills an immediate need. And, yeah, just a, kind of a great pick. So now at 18, following the Miami Dolphins trade-up for Micah Parsons is the Minnesota Dolphins. Bailey, who you got them taking? The Minnesota Vikings, not the Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings, Dolphins. <laughs> we'll take uh, Elijah Vera Tucker here. You know, I if I was at 14, this is the pick I'd be making. I think they're excited to pick up that second, like you said, and still get the guy they were targeting. Uh, they have a pretty huge gaping hole in their uh, interior offensive line. You know, Brad Gary Bradbury, the first round pick a couple years ago, wasn't hasn't been turning out as great as they had hoped, and they just need to add some more talent in there. Absolutely, and I think one of the things that I felt about the Vikings in terms of fits is Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, and if they are looking to move on from Bradbury or they think that Humphrey can play guard, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a kind of earlier pick for Humphrey than expected with the Minnesota Vikings. I think in terms of pulling blockers, there's no one better in this class than Humphrey. He gets out wide well. He moves downfield well. And really, he's an athletic player that can fit at both the guard or center spot. If the Vikings pick him, it wouldn't shock me at all. And I think in terms of how they operate with their run game, it would be a great fit as well. With the number 19 pick, the Washington football team, now without a QB uh, of the future, really, sitting with Fitzpatrick, they aren't going to force the need. They aren't going to go and grab Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask. I don't think that's the way they go. I understand if you're desperate for the position, you know, some people think, oh, just pick whatever biggest need is and next guy on the board. That's not how a lot of teams operate. So at 19, while they'd love to get their QB the future, I think if they don't trade up, they aren't taking a quarterback. And at 19, that means that they got to fill another need. And for me, in terms of talent and in terms of need, there's no better fit than Zayvon Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. Versatile enough in this defense to play anywhere that you really need him to at 270 pounds now, but moves extremely well. This linebacker unit has plenty of question marks all over the field. And adding Zayvon Collins with his coverage ability, I think at the very least, you're getting a dependable starter right away with upside for really superstar potential. Yeah, Zayvon Collins will be a great addition to them, to that defense, you know, which was a strength for the Washington football team last year. And you continually add to that. I'm not sure how much faith you have in Ryan Fitzpatrick as, you know, kind of being in an offense, leading that offense to being a top 10, top 15 unit. So your defense is going to have to win you games. And, you know, adding Zayvon Collins, adding to his strength there is definitely makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, next up, I got the Chicago Bears, who are kind of, you know, in a similar spot as the Washington football team. They need a QB. They brought in a veteran who's kind of been disappointing um, with Andy Dalton. But I think you just it's Andy Dalton's job right now. And I think you got to protect him. You got to do what you can. And you got to get the most pro-ready guy. You got to gotta be ready to compete right now. The head coach and the GM don't have uh, a lot – left on their leash. So I'm going to give them Tevin Jenkins, who can immediately, you know, kind of slot into the right tackle spot, be a day one starter for them. And you know he's going to be solid. Tevin Jenkins, offense tackle out of Oklahoma State. If you turn on his tape, you're going to see someone that has a bit of a mean streak. He's extremely aggressive, love his motor, think he's one of the better run blocking tackles in this class. Absolutely a phenomenal pick. And it's really a smart choice for the Bears. I know on draft day, if the Bears don't come out with a QB that they feel can be the future of this team, a lot of teams are a lot of fans are going to chop it up as a loss of a draft and F on the grade sheet. But really adding good players is the way you build a foundation for your QB. Yes, you know, it's disappointing compared to what the potential is of getting a QB. But at the same time, you know, next year, let's say, Pace and Naki are gone, and you're looking to get that QB of the future. Having a good roster in place is much more important than just picking a QB for the sake of picking a QB. Right. You know, kind of similar to what we saw with, you know, Rosen and Kyler a couple of years ago, where they just kind of took a QB out of 
you know, need, and then they replaced a new regime, and the QB got replaced. So you're definitely right. Get players that you'll stick to your roster. They'll be contributors, especially if you're thinking about making a change at the coach and GM position. And at number 21, the Indianapolis Colts got their QB. They trade for Carson Wentz. Now they're looking to fill out the rest of this roster. I think one of the big positions that's always been talked about for the Colts is that left tackle spot. And I think it's very possible that they address it. But I think at the same time, we could see them make a move elsewhere on this roster. And I think that's what I'm going to do here. I think right now, with the way the board is, I don't love picking a QB or picking a left tackle right now. And for that, I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips, Ed Rusher out of Miami, Florida. I think there's plenty of upside here, plenty of athleticism, but also if you can convert him with health and keep that stuff off the field, this guy has the potential to be one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. I think in terms of just pass rush ability, he is probably number one in this class. And really it's just now trying to polish his game, get him a little bit more disciplined in the run game and keeping him healthy. And if he does so, Jalen Phillips at 21 is, is an absolute steal. Yeah, he absolutely is. And I think he's another guy who, you know, it all depends on the medicals with him. You know, he had to medically re retire from uh, college football. He came back. He dominated. He played his way into the – as the first-round edge. Might be the first edge off the board, but, you know, it's always with those medicals. And, you know, the Colts definitely do need an edge. They've kind of – you know, addressed the position in the past, and it's never hasn't really worked out for them. They got some good production last year from some veterans, but they need a young guy in there that they can kind of build and add to that defense. And Phillips is definitely a great fit for them. So next up is my Tennessee Titans here. Um, you know, there's a couple directions we can go in here, but when you look at both of the room, the big big two needs, in my opinion, are cornerback and wide receiver. When you look at those two groups on a roster, it's really not that great. And so you can go with like a Rashad Bateman here, but I want to go with Greg Newsom, cornerback. And I just think if you – the defense was so bad last year, and I kind of think that with their offensive scheme, you can kind of get some lower quality players in there and they'll produce. Um, but you, we need some young players on our cornerback. I think right now Kevin – Joseph is our cornerback three. Um, you know, we got Fulton last year. He's a rookie. We still need to add some talent there. And then we signed Janoris Jenkins, but that's only for basically a one-year deal. Um, so, yeah, so Greg Newsom's kind of the pick I've been leading with recently. And I think that's definitely someone that could potentially fly up boards. Obviously a very intelligent player, offers a great size, had a tremendous pro day. A lot of the boxes are checked, and I think, you know, whether it's – a team like Arizona or maybe a team surprises and picks him even earlier. I think Newsom could be a guy that even at 22, he's off the board at 22. I think it's a great pick for the Titans though. You know, you've kind of talked about, there's a few different positions that they could really address, but the big needs are that offensive wide receiver weapon and corner. Do you think that the offensive tackle and, you know, down lineman edge spot could come into play in that first round if the board plays out correctly for the Titans. Definitely. You know, with the offseason the Titans have had, there's a lot of holes that uh, need to be addressed by the draft. We have cornerback, wide receiver, offensive tackle. We cut our starting offensive tackle, Dennis Kelly. We replaced him with Kendall Lamb. Not really sold on him being a starting right tackle on our team. I can be a position we address. Uh, edge, we signed Bud Dupree and Harold Landry obviously already on the team, but we have no depth behind them. So that's definitely a position that we could address. They could really go do whatever, you know, they want. Um, but in terms of edge, I think as a guy we address later, day two, um, we already have two starters. Uh, we don't really need a back. Dropping a backup player in the first round isn't really a great idea. I don't think, you know, especially with the limited amount of snaps you have and the window the Titans do have, kind of a guy who's going to be on the field a lot. But that's definitely a position we could address later in the draft. Um, offensive tackle, you know, Kendall Lamb, I guess, is a serviceable, start, serviceable starter. Um, I, I would, wouldn't hate if he was a starter going to the year, but that's definitely another position we could address. And, you know, corner and wide receiver, I think, are the big two question marks right now. So that's if I was a betting man, I would say those are the two positions we'll take in the first round, either one of those two. 
Absolutely. And at 23, the New York Jets are on the clock for the second time. Obviously, picked Zach Wilson with the number two pick, but now they're on the board to try to fill out the rest of the roster. I think corner is a big need. But I think with the way Salah kind of operates, he gets those mid-round guys that have the body and size to really fit his scheme. At 23, I don't think he's going to force the need. Uh, you look at running back, you know, they could go for a Najee Harris or a Travis Etienne. But again, it's one of those things where I think what you saw from San Francisco, they have a staple of backs. And I think that the Jets are going to try to take a similar approach. Wide receiver, they filled in the offseason. So now I look at the offensive line and edge position and really for the highest guy on my board for what I think fills a need, but also has the consensus value to go in this range. I'm going with Liam Eikenberg and I don't think that he's going to be a tackle. I think that for this selection, he's going to be an offensive guard, but if you put Liam Eikenberg and Makai Becton on the same line together, you know, same side of the ball, Yes, it's young, but I think it's going to be one of the best sides of the football in the NFL. And Eichenberg is someone that I am tremendously high on in terms of both tackle and guard. Um, you know, obviously his arms weren't as long as expected, and that kind of drops his tackle projection, maybe his tackle upside. But he offers the flexibility and the play strength to be able to maintain the outside, but he also has the polish and technique and hand usage to really dominate on the inside as well. Putting him on this Jets offensive line, I think, transforms it from what is already an improving offensive line to now a good one. And we saw it with Darnold. A bad offensive line can really tank a lot of things. If you are a Jets fan and you want Zach Wilson to actually work out, then you should be hoping that the Jets are investing in protecting him because that is a big part of QB confidence. Absolutely agree. And, you know, with the Jamal Adams trade, you have a lot of capital to kind of, you know, take that cornerback later that you might need or take that running back later if you like the guys later in the draft. Eichenberg is a great pick. It's interesting that you have him as guard. I think he's he could be a tackle, and I'm sure you agree with that, and you might be better at guard, but um, I actually don't know the Jets' all line off the top of my head, so I'm not sure about, you know, where he'd play, but you're saying left guard. Yeah, I mean, he's a great pick. He's a t- very talented player. This tape was amazing. You know, kind of shut down a lot of players. <clears throat> so next up, uh, this is Steelers at 24. You know, this is more of a what I think they will do pick rather than a what they should do pick. And so I'm going to give them Najee Harris running back. Um, I think the brass will come together and they looked at what didn't work last year. What was the big issue? And it was a running game. And I think they think by adding a Najee Harris instead of a James Connor, Jalen Samuels, whoever they had running back there, um, it's a huge upgrade at the position. And Najee Harris, you know, could definitely succeed behind a bad line. You know, he has a contact strength to play through some of the guys coming into the backfield. And I think this fits a huge need for them. I could also see them going um, center here, going cornerback here, offensive tackle even. They just have a lot of needs. Absolutely. And the Steelers are in a weird spot because obviously last year put together this great season, kind of fell off at the end. And now the really opinions on them is just like, what's going to happen with year two after falling off as much as they did? Are they going to bounce back and be that team that dominated out the gates? Or are they going to be a team that plays like how they did in that back half of the season and potentially even miss playoffs? And, you know, AFC North is nothing to play with. So if you're losing games consistently, you aren't going to be getting a lot of easy wins in that division. Even the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be taking a much better season, I think, in this year whether or not they move up from that last place spot in the division kind of up in the air, but still if the Steelers come out cold, like they did to end last year, then they are very likely to miss playoffs. What do you think the overall projection for the Steelers is for this upcoming season? I don't know. It's going to depend on big Ben. Obviously it's always about the quarterback play. And I think, you know, he's kind of on his last legs here. I think this is going to be a disaster season for them. 
it's very easy to see them finish last in their their division. Very tough division they play in, you know, with uh, Burrow coming back healthy and you know obviously the Rams, <clears throat> the Ravens, sorry, and the Browns being playoff teams last year. It's tough, and if they don't make a serious adjust <clears throat> upgrades in the draft, you know, hit on all their picks, I could easily see them coming last. With the 25th pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars have their second selection of the draft. Trevor Lawrence with the first pick, obviously easy to make. But at number 25, things kind of get interesting. The Jacksonville Jaguars have really done a very strong job of filling out this roster, getting pieces to fill out and really potential depth for the long haul. I think they've done a nice job of kind of not really splurging on this market, even though maybe money was tight for a lot of teams. They were sure not to overspend, really got a lot of guys that they think can be starters in year one and potentially long-term, but at the same time, they weren't just giving out these huge price tags left and right. Maybe that means next year they're going to be big players, but right now I think they've done a good job of filling out this roster to where a lot of needs aren't as big as they may appear. And I think based on what I've heard, that's why I'm going with Christian Barmore. At number 25, yes, they added Roy Robertson Harris, but I think that three-tech spot is wide open, and I think Barmore could step in and really offer plenty of upside. You look at the back half of Barmore's season, and there's just probably no one better in college football. He was able to put up great numbers, and he has a great frame as well. 6'4", 6'5", 310 pounds, offers pass rush upside, like we said. Very athletic, very good frame. I think you look at what he brings to the table and also just the potential. And I think the Jaguars are going to be in on them. And I know there's other holes maybe on this roster, tight end, obviously wide open, but in terms of positions that they could fill and need, this is probably the pick that I would go with if I were the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. You know, Parmar obviously is an amazing three tech, you know, can really penetrate the line there. And, I don't know, like the the Jags kind of have are in a weird spot where they don't they could really take any position they can really just take best player available. Uh, they're a, in fact, they found up a bunch of great interior D line players last year, um, and they you know as you said they added some guys in free agency. But this could be the pick. You know, Barmore has would be the most talented player on their D line for sure, and he could wreak havoc in the AFC South for years to come. Uh, Barmore was my pick to twenty at a twenty six for the Browns, um, who have now been sniped. And I think that with the board looking the way there is, and the way that the roster looks, I'm going to give them Rashad Bateman, uh, wide receiver. <clears throat> when you look at like kind of more of a salary cap approach, there are two biggest. Um, players right now in terms of contracts are Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. And I don't think the two of them are going to stay on the team for that much longer. Uh, You know, both of them kind of have an injury history too, and you don't want to be left with the situation like you're left with against Jets last year. It's kind of a different situation with COVID, but you need depth at all your positions. And I think Rashad Bateman is just too good of a value to pass up here at 26. And I think that one of Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry will be gone by next year, either via trade or release. So you got to make sure that you had some continuity to the position. Both of them could be gone, honestly. And um, you need some continuity to the position. You don't want to give, you know, Baker a bunch of whole new weapons. Give a guy that you can kind of get used to first before you make a major upheaval at the group. At number 27, the Baltimore Ravens, fresh off of a very successful season, but now with some big question marks all around. There's been rumors that they're committed to getting a wide receiver for Lamar Jackson in the first two rounds. There's been the obvious Orlando Brown trade that we've talked about before on the show, and now it has happened. He has gone to the Kansas City Chiefs. That right tackle spot is wide open. They need some help on the edge with Matthew Judon leaving to the New England Patriots. And really, there's some other positions on this team. Defensive line could always get younger. Interior offensive line needs help. For this pick, it's tough to really gauge what position I would address first. In terms of personal, what I would do, you know, there's there's guys that I like. But in terms of what I expect the Ravens to do, I think the pick here 
is going to be Alex Leatherwood. And what he brings to the table as an offensive tackle is going to be enticing to teams. I think he offers plenty of upside, plenty of frame. And really that's going to be the big appeal is the athletic upside. A lot of offensive line coaches are all in on what they can do personally. And when you look at what the Ravens have done with their offensive line, with guys like Orlando Brown, with guys like Ronnie Stanley, Ronnie Stanley, and really turning these guys into great offensive tackles. I think you look at a guy like Alex Leatherwood, who offers such a great profile for an offensive tackle to find success that they're not going to be worried about it at all. And they're going to say, well, let's get him and just watch what I make him in. Yeah, you know, Leatherwood, obviously, with the super long arms, you know, with the production, with the years of experience and the fact they played for Alabama, checks off a lot of boxes as a first-run guy, kind of a lock, and he would be a great replacement for them there. He'd be a great fit in the kind of run-heavy stuff that they do, and, you know, this is a nice replacement at right tackle for uh, replacing Orlando Brown. Uh, next up is the Saints, who kind of had a disastrous offseason, you know, Everybody with the salary cap isn't real thing, but they've lost so much snaps, so many starters, and they could really do anything here. Um, I think I will have them take uh, uh, Jeremiah Awusu koromoa uh, linebacker here. Uh, like, you know, they just it's just a need for them. It's just one of the needs for them, just a top guy, I think, that would fit their scheme. You know, he's a three-down linebacker. He fits in the nickel. He can fit as a dime linebacker. He just fits everywhere. He's kind of kind of like a chess piece on the defense. You can kind of slot him everywhere, different schemes, different alignments. And if you're talking about snaps loss, I think he could, you know, kind of replace a lot of those snaps that you've lost. He could be a 600-snap player for them right out of the gate. Absolutely. And I think one of the things about Owusu Koromoa that a lot of people have reservations on is – they look at him almost as a safety type player, but he's 220 pounds. He is the same frame as Deion Jones. He can very well play linebacker in this league. He's got the skill set to be versatile. He can move around. He can play slot corner if needed, but don't overstate his versatility as a weakness or a frame issue because while he is not going to be the size of a Micah Parsons or a Zayvon Collins, he's 220. Like he's good enough size-wise, to play in this league and compete in this league in terms of physicality, and he's got the skill set to do it. Owusu Koromoa at 28, I think, is a great pick and really a steal for the, his value. Yeah, and I mean, when you're talking about the modern NFL linebacker, I think you can get better than JOK. You need a guy you can have down your base alignments and your nickel, kind of slide over, cover the slot guy, even in the dime. We've seen a lot of dime kind of recently i think you know we talked the browns talked about running it a lot more and he can even you know slide back to safety with those looks and yeah just a great versatile player one of the big positions of need for the saints is that cornerback slot do you think that with richard there as the saints new pass game coordinator do you think richard sherman is on the way following this draft or do you think that it's something that they need to address in this draft I think it's definitely something that they will and have to address in the draft. Um, I do not think they can add any more players via free agency. I don't. I, I do, do not think they have the cap to do so. If they can, I just, I don't know. It's just impossible as far as I can see. And I think they will start to add some more, you know, kind of Seattle type line cornerbacks, you know, like a Benjamin St. Juiced later in the draft or, you know, some of those bigger guys that can fit their scheme. You know, Baltimore is a little bit on the shorter side. So we'll definitely see what they do later in the draft. And at 29, the Green Bay Packers are on the clock. And really, you know, you talk about the Saints offseason, but the Packers lost plenty of talent as well. And one of the big names was Corey Lindsley. I think you have to find a way to replace him. I understand that there's some talent on this class to where the offensive line may not be as disastrous as it looks on paper, but I think that center spot is still a wide open hole. And for that, I read Humphrey. I think the athletic upside overall testing profile is definitely enticing for the Packers and the NFL. Like 
Creed Humphrey is someone that I think is likely going to be a first-round pick. Personally, I prefer Dickerson at the center spot, but I think that Creed Humphrey does enough in terms of what he can offer in the run game. Developing his pass sets, I think, will be absolutely huge for his projection to the NFL. And assuming that he can do that, be better with his overall base, he's going to be a good center in the league, and the Packers definitely need some help on the interior offensive line. Yeah, you're definitely right that they left the uh, the kind of there's a hole there at the center position, you know, and you just kind of want to run back with Aaron Rodgers at this point, kind of squeeze out all you can of him before he gets replaced by uh, Jordan Love eventually. And you know, the other is a great pick. You can slide and be day one starter for them and help them hopefully win in that uh, NFC Championship game they've been wanting to for so long. Uh, next up is the Bills, kind of a surprising season for them in their dominance. Uh, but they still do have a lot of holes on the roster. They can go cornerback here. They can go edge, running back. And I think just this may just be like <clears throat> me just projecting, but I'm going to give them uh, Travis Etienne here, running back. And I know they have a need a corner in ed edge, but you give these guys a lethal running game. And they're just unstoppable on offense. And I know they have talent there. They got Zach Moss there. They got De- – who's the other running back? Devin Singletary, right? Yeah. Devin Singletary, you know, you have the guys. But I think ETN is just kind of the perfect fit for them. He's so quick. And, you know, with the defenses being stretched out by Josh Allen's huge arm and his power running style, I think ETN slots perfectly into their scheme. He's going to be, you know, the kind of – the true three-down running back they've been looking for. And I don't know how you're going to stop this offense now. I think I agree. And I think the big question here is, do you prefer ETN over Najee Harris, or do you think that ETN is just the better fit in Buffalo? I think it's about scheme fit when it comes down to these two running backs because, you know, they're kind of two different runners. You know, I like ETN for his speed and his quickness and – I like, you know, Najee Harris is more of kind of like a bulldog, more of his, the power stuff, the contact balance, his fast catching ability. So, yeah, I think that ETN's like a better fit in Buffalo, but like for the Jets, I would take Najee Harris. It's all just about personal preference and what scheme you want to run when it comes to separating these two guys. I got you. And with the number 30 for, number 31 pick in this draft, the Baltimore Ravens back on the clock after the Orlando Brown trade with the Kansas State Chiefs at 31, the Ravens likely are going to trade back. And I think that it's something that I would really consider here. And I'm going to have it happen. I think right here, I'm not sure on the exact details, but I think this is where the Chargers trade back into this first round to go and get some protection for their guy, which is Justin Herbert. Get some protection for the running game get Austin Eckler some extra holes. And I think the guy that I go with has to be Dylan Radins. And I think that you look at the overall projection for what the Rams kind of had as their offensive tackles, and they really depended on athleticism. And I think Radins is kind of underrated in terms of his overall athletic profile. I think he offers plenty of upside. You look at guys like Brian O'Neill, that weight can come. But the athletic upside, the overall range of motion is completely understated for Raidens. And I think in the first round, he's an absolute great pick to have. You get that extra year for development. I think maybe he could have his issues early on just trying to get that play strength up to NFL standards. But if you get that fifth year, you're having four years of very good play. And I still think that in that first year, he could be a very dependable starter. Helps out what is a struggling Chargers offensive line. You know, I, I know the rumors are that they love Trey Pipkins, and I'm sure that they're not even going to say, oh, you know, we drafted Raidens, now we don't like Pipkins anymore. They're just going to say, oh, we're bolstering a position we already think is good enough. It's it's classic GM talk. It's classic team talk. The Chargers have a needed offense tackle. They need to protect their QB of the future, and Dylan Raidens, I think, does that very well. Yeah, like you said, the athletic uh, offensive tackle – is, was huge for the Rams. They could even go like a Samuel Cosme here. There's a lot of offensive tackles that kind of fit that bill, maybe a Spencer Brown later in the draft. But, yeah, the Chargers definitely need to protect Herbert. You know, I would say they kind of got lucky here where they got their franchise QB. 
and he was so good year one already, and you know he's going to be a stun league, and your number one objective now is just to protect him and build an offense around him that he can succeed in. At 32, we have the Buccaneers, you know, Super Bowl champs, last pick, and there's a lot of positions they can go here, but I think that they're going to take uh, Gregory Russo, the edge. You know, he's a guy who's definitely slid down draft boards a lot, um, but I still think he's a first-round guy, and I think the talent's still there, and he's so young. He put up such insane production young numbers when – production rooms when he was 19 and, you know, kind of had a different disappointing pro day. But when you look at the, watch the tape, you look at his measurables and they're all there. And I think he's going to be a very productive starter for them. And you look at what they have at the edge position already, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre, Paul, I think if you're looking at Russo, you're saying, well, I'd love for him to be able to kind of replicate what Jason Pierre, Paul already brings to the table and become his eventual successor. And I think that's very possible. Russo, Obviously, great length can play deep, can play down lineman because of his ability to work inside. I think Jason Pierre Paul would be a great mentor for him. Overall, though, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, do you think that with this pick, they're going to be as heavy addressing a need when their team kind of lacks it? Or do you think that they're just going to say, well, who do we think offers the highest upside? Or do you think, well, let's just find who we think has the highest just pure talent right away because we're trying to maximize what is a contending window right now. You know, I think it's definitely, you know, what what's the guy who may make the most impact to my team this season? And, you know, it's very rare for a Super Bowl team just to run back with the exact same roster, you know. I think the only starter that they haven't resigned right now is Antonio Brown. That's, he's, like, rumored to come back. So, I mean, they could take a wide receiver here. They could take a, you know, a Tony or a uh, – or Terrace Marshall or Elijah Moore. But, you know, it really just depends on what they think their biggest hole is and what internally they think is what's the one position or the one spot that we need the biggest help at. And, you know, definitely could be edge and it definitely could be, you know, interior line. It could be wide receiver, you know. And, you know, I just picked an edge here, but I could see any of those three positions being taken on draft day. We got some – we got some questions from the comment section, some other additional comments as well. So we're going to bring them in right now. We'll pull them up on screen. We have a question from Twitch saying, I struggled to see the Falcons making the playoffs with Farther Smith calling the shots. A a shot in itself at head coach Arthur Smith. What are your thoughts on his projection as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons? You know, Smith definitely did struggle in that playoff game against the Ravens, but I, I think he's a great head coach. He's a great play caller. He's a great uh, offensive coordinator. And, you know, I think they're going to make the playoffs next year. We'll see if I'm right or if I'm wrong, but that's just my uh, prediction right now. And then another question from the comment section coming from Twitch. With Davis and Vaughn at outside linebacker, do you think Joke, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, can play middle linebacker? Seems like that's their big hole. Yeah, definitely think he can. I don't know if how much more depth means. I mean, yes, yeah, I think he can play the Mike linebacker position. He can play anywhere really you really want. He's a bit light, but you know, it's not really a big issue for me. I think I agree. You know, maybe Demario Davis kicks inside just to help things out a little bit, but I think that Jeremiah Wusukormo offers the versatility to where he could play inside. I think if they had those three in their linebacker unit, I think we'd see a lot of rotations, a lot of changed up looks to where these guys are rotating all throughout. I know you want to see some familiarity, but I think all of these guys offer some versatility to where they can play all around that front seven or at least in the linebacker unit and really produce in a way that the Saints would be able to find success with it. And then we have a comment from the YouTube comment section from Nerd for Football. Love the edge pick at 32. Excellent value. We agree here. We're both fans of Rousseau. Think that he has gotten a little bit slept on in this draft process. Still, you know, questions about whether he goes round one. But I do think that whoever gets Rousseau is still getting a very safe and polished player that should be fun with some upside to go along with it. That's all we got for you today on Destination Draft Day. We are going to be having a Wednesday special episode. That will be me and Nick Durst with potentially Brian Sosa as well to talk about 
the draft and the day before with all the rumors that are flying around. Obviously, with this week, things are going to be coming out crazy. We'll be here to dissect it all. Thank you so much to Bailey Kumar for coming on the show today for this final mock draft of the 2021 draft season. Thanks to everyone in the comment section, and thanks to LandryFootball.com for the platform. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.